Thank you for joining us for this week's message from the First Christian Church in Great Bend, Kansas. Each week we share thought-provoking and life-changing teachings on topics that are important and relevant to you in your life. We hope that you will be encouraged by our weekly podcast and will tune in regularly. Now let's join the First Christian Church of Great Bend for this week's message. So last week, we had this incredible opportunity as we gathered together as a whole congregation in one service to witness and celebrate the salvation and baptism of 10 of our kiddos who proclaim to the world that they have decided to follow Jesus. And I don't know about you guys, but, but getting to experience this church coming together as one to celebrate and encourage our kids as they enter into this new life in Christ was for me one of the most moving and profound moments that I've had the privilege to experience in my ministerial life. I mean, to a certain extent, it's why I do what I do. But, but now that we've had that amazing experience, today what I think we need to do to not only give our, our children a path forward is they learn what it means to follow Jesus daily, but, but also to remind ourselves what it looks like to follow Jesus is to talk about what's next. Or talk about what it is we need to be doing to live, grow, and thrive as followers of Jesus after our baptism. Now, now to frame this question, as I hinted at last week, baptism is not, nor has it ever been, the goal of the Christian faith. And that after we have made our confession of faith and have taken the plunge, that somehow we've checked all the boxes that need to be checked so that now all that's left to do is to sit around just waiting to die. Now, what you need to understand about baptism is baptism is and always has been the beginning of the rest of your life. The starting line, not the finish line. Or to see why this is true, notice that Jesus in the Gospels, he wasn't baptized towards the end of his life like baptism was the goal. And he didn't sit around after he was baptized doing nothing, waiting for himself, waiting to die. No, for Jesus, his baptism was the beginning of his ministry to the world. In fact, we don't hardly hear anything about Jesus until his baptism. His baptism is his coming out party. And then after he's baptized, he spends the next three years traveling all over the land of Israel, healing the sick, feeding the hungry, overcoming evil, all the while proclaiming this good news of God's kingdom to a broken and sinful world. So again, baptism is not the goal. It's the starting point. Or to understand this maybe in another way, a bit more modern way to give you a different way to think about what baptism is. Baptism is kind of like graduation. And that graduation is not the goal of the destination that once you reach it, somehow you're done. No, graduation is the point in your life where you take a moment to celebrate, getting to the place where you've done all of your training, all that you've needed to do, and now you're ready for the rest of your life which means graduation like baptism is the beginning where you take all that you have been given up to that moment and then go out into the world and use it to see what kind of life you can create for yourself. Or again, baptism is the starting line, not the finish line. Which then begs the question, right? Again, what's next? What do we do after baptism? Now, I know at first asking this question seems quite daunting because there seems to be so many things we could and should be doing to grow in our faith. I mean, for me as a minister, when I try to think about all the things that I need to be given to you so that you can grow in your faith and all the programs we need to be developing as a church to help you get where you need to go, I'm overwhelmed because there's so much that we need to be doing. 
But, but an amazing thing happened to me this last January. After wrestling with this question for years and years on what's next, what are we supposed to be doing as Christians? Is that while I was um, sitting and listening to Adam Hamilton talk about his new book, The Walk, The Five Essential Habits of the Christian Faith, I had this aha moment where everything started to come together for me. And what I think God opened me up to in that holy moment to answer the question, what's next, is he showed me. It's not about finding this perfect program or teaching the right class. And that if you'll take this five to ten week class, then you're going to have everything you need to live a Christian life. No, instead, what God helped me to see when it comes to what's next is that what's most important, what has to be foundational, is developing the right habits. Again, what God helped me to see about what comes next, what's after baptism, is developing the right habits. And all because when you develop and practice the right habits, everything else seems to fall into place, or everything else, in a sense, begins to take care of itself. Or just like in sports, for those of you who have played sports, You have to devote yourself to the habit of practicing the fundamentals on a daily basis to become the best player you can become. And if you don't do that, you will never reach your full potential. So it is when it comes to following Jesus. It's all about developing the right habits. So for me, the answer to the question, what's next? And remember, this is not just about our kids. This is for all of us. What I feel that God is calling us to do as a congregation and you guys as individuals to do is to develop and practice the habits of worship, study, service, giving, and sharing. Again, I feel God is calling us to develop the habits of worship, study, serving, giving, and sharing. Because if we'll give ourselves to these habits, everything else is going to take care of itself. So what I mean by the habit of worship is you need to make it a priority to attend church. And I'm not just talking about, hey, I'm going to attend church when I feel like it. No, you need to put it on your list of one of the most important things that you do during a week. And I'm not telling you to do this for my benefit so this place will be filled every single week. Although I do love that. Don't get me wrong. No, I'm telling you that. It's because worship is one of the most powerful ways and places where you can come and connect with God and others. Because what happens as we come together to sing and offer our prayers and confess our sins and learn and partake in the Lord's Supper is God shows up in profound and life-changing ways to speak to us, to comfort us, to help us grow, to give us direction and empower us to go back out into the world to do what he has called us to do. Or like a gas station is necessary if we want to keep our cars on the road, attending worship is necessary for us to stay up and running as dedicated followers of Christ. And you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. How do you feel when you don't show up to church? You feel like something's missing. You feel like you don't have that oomph that you normally have. You've got to make it a habit. You've got to get really good at not listening to the excuses you like to tell yourself about why you need to sleep in that morning. You'll be better off showing up on Sunday morning. This is a foundational part of what it means to live Christian. Essential habit number two is study. What I mean by study is you need to be setting aside at least 10 minutes a day. And notice I say at least. I hope you begin to expand five days a week to study scripture and pray. And the reason why study is such a foundational habit is because if you want to know who God is and what he's asking you to do in your life, 
Where you learn that is not only in coming to worship, you're going to get some of it there, but it's through study. It's through opening your Bible and beginning to read. Now, if you're a person who's never been a Bible reader, or if you've tried to read the Bible and found it very difficult to grasp, first of all, yep, it's a very, very difficult book. But what I would encourage you to do to create this habit is to start with the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Because what you will find in these books is the most important story of the Bible. It's a story of a God who stepped down out of his existence and gave his life to chase after you, which is relatively easy to understand. You just have to read it. So spend your time there. And then once you get that figured out, or at least got a sense of that, you can then move on to other parts of the Bible. Also, you need to make sure that the, the version of the Bible that you're reading doesn't make things more difficult than it needs to be. So stay away from the King James Version if you haven't been doing this very long. It's not going to be very helpful. For me, the three versions that I find to be most helpful, the, the best um, Bibles to read are the uh, NRSV, the New Revised Standard Version, the NIV, the New International Version. Or if you're just getting started and you need something kind of in common modern day English, I would encourage you to read the Message Bible. Just find a Bible that works for you and begin to read the Gospels. Then for those of you who might need a little help while reading Scripture, you know, someone to kind of walk you through what's going on, I would re recommend Tom Wright's devotional commentary series called For Everyone. For example, it's called Mark for Everyone, Matthew for Everyone, Luke for Everyone. Because what you're going to find there is one of the most influential and brilliant New Testament scholars of our day, walking you through the New Testament verse by verse in a way that you can understand. So if you need some help, I, I would tell you to go do that. And you can get it on Kindle. You can download it in five minutes and get through those books because they are absolutely amazing. And, and then to, to go along with your scripture reading, which I hope you'll create that habit, you've got to develop the habit of prayer. And by prayer here, I'm not just talking about getting down on your knees and putting your hands together and doing it that way. Although if that works for you, by all means, do it. What I mean by prayer is simply having a conversation with God in the way you would anyone else. Speak to God. And then listen for God to speak to you. And when it comes to the how-to of prayer, you're going to have to figure out what works best for you. I know some people that they find a quiet place in their house or at work and they just begin to speak to God on the inside of them and they set aside a time just to talk to God. I know for others, um, what they do is they speak to God out loud whenever they need to talk to God. It gets a little weird if other people are in the room, but that's what they do. It's just the way they connect. For me, what I do, and I know I've told you guys this a hundred times, is I do a prayer journal. Is I go and I write to God every single morning. And the reason I do that is because if I pray on the inside or on the outside, I get lost and 20 minutes later I'm thinking about something else. And what a prayer journal does is it helps me to focus in and connect. But I would encourage you to find whatever works for you and just begin to have conversations with God. Then when it comes to when you're supposed to pray, pray at all times. Pray without ceasing. Or some people do it in the morning because that's what works best for them. That's how they start their day. Other people do it um, right before they go to bed to calm their mind. Other people do it on the way to work. For those of you who know how to do all the apps and that stuff, you can listen to the Bible driving anywhere. Just set aside a time when you're doing it. There is some place in your day, if it's important enough to you, that you will find time to talk to God. 
or if you really do want to become the person God created you to be, the habit of study is a necessary part of that. In fact, I would argue that I haven't met a person who really does incredible things for the faith that doesn't have this habit. This is one of those foundational pieces if you want to become a deeply committed follower of Christ. Habit number three is to serve. Because, of course, being a Christian is more than worship and study. It's also about taking all that you have learned through worship and study and living it out on a day-to-day basis. And I really want to bring this home. I know some really good and faithful Christians who are really good at studying and coming to worship every single week, but then they don't do anything with it. So what it means to serve is you take what you have learned and hear and through study and you go out and live it on a day-to-day basis by joining with God and causing his kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Or to give you some practical ways to kind of get this habit started. First of all, I would encourage you, if you're looking for a place to serve, is to get involved with the church somehow. And don't worry, we've got plenty of places where you can get involved. We're always looking for people to get involved around here. It can be lighting candles, singing in the choir, greeting people on their way in. It's just a great way to get connected. Secondly, another way I would encourage you to to start this habit, which is outside of the church, is to make it a habit to do two random acts of kindness a week. Put it on your calendar. Put it where you can see it. And random act of kindness don't have to be huge things. It can be as simple as making that phone call that you know you've been needing to make. It's opening the door for someone with a smile. It's paying for someone else's groceries. It's volunteering at the homeless shelter. Again, just make it a priority to do two things a week that's not about serving you, but about serving someone else. Because again, service is a part of what it means to follow Christ. Habit number four is to give. Or as Matthew puts it in 621, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Or giving is basically about taking all that God has blessed you with and using that not just on yourself, but to be a blessing to others and for the sake of building up God's kingdom. Which, by the way, according to the Bible and according to all this research that's going on scientifically, that's how you live a better, more meaningful life. There are countless studies that show that people who give, who are generous with what they have, live longer, healthier lives than people who are stingy and try to keep it all to themselves. It really is better to give than it is to receive. So some practical ways to do that are give to the church. And I'm not just saying that because I think I need a raise. Although if you guys want to give me a raise, I'll take one. No, I'm good. My life is good. I'm saying that because the more you give, the more we can do to make a difference in people's lives. I mean, there's the practical matters of ministry that have to be taken care of. We have to pay people to oversee our kids. We have to pay people to oversee the youth and all that kind of stuff. We've got to pay worship leaders. And if you want to continue to do that stuff, it takes money. And so you give. And then every area of the church, our outreach, all that kind of stuff, it comes from you guys giving. So if you want to join us in what we're trying to do for the kingdom of God, then we ask you to give. Another thing that I would encourage you to do is to find a charity in this community that really moves you, that's doing amazing things and to give to them. Or to make it really, really practical, make it something that you can do today. When you go out and eat today, leave a huge tip, whether the server deserves it or not. Right? 
So maybe you paid 50 bucks for a meal. What if you left a $50 tip for that person? You think about it. And then last but not least, habit number five is to share. And what sharing looks like is to do what Jesus teaches us to do in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I commanded you. Or sharing is about taking this gift that we have all been given in and through our relationship with Jesus and telling it to others, which we do. Not by being self-righteous, know-it-all Christians who try to cram this stuff down other people's throats. If you haven't figured it out, it doesn't work that way. No, the way we share Jesus to the world is by daring to love and treat others the way Jesus loved and treated us, regardless of who they are. And then when the opportunity arises, because it will arise, simply telling them why you're different. Simply telling them about this God that lives inside of you that they can have a relationship with too. Which is not only something that is going to transform you in ways that you never thought possible, but it's something that's going to change the life of a human being as they find Christ. And you guys are supposed to be gasping at this point. Oh, really? I get to be a part of that? I mean, we don't think about it. We're so worried about what other people think about us. We're so worried about being those, you know, and let's be honest, there's those obnoxious Christians. I'm not telling you to be one of them. It's not going to do you any good. But what I am telling you to do, which will change your life, is when you get an opportunity to share with others who Jesus is to you, what he has done for you, and how they can also have that relationship by just saying yes. Two practical ways I would encourage you to do this is I would encourage you this year to share your faith with two people. To get an opportunity, ask God to help you to do that, to share your faith with two other people and then to invite five people to church and see what happens. I want you guys to experience what I get to experience when I introduce this to people and then watch them as they're transformed for the rest of their lives. I want you guys to get to play your part in that because it will change you and it will also change the church. So you guys up for that? That's one of those. So like talking about giving is about right here on people's favorite things to talk about, right? But talking about sharing your faith is like way up here. Like, oh no, I'm not going to be that guy. Yeah, be that guy. Be that guy because it could change someone else's life. And it's really not that big a deal. Really not. Well, it is, but it's not. You guys know what I'm saying. So for me, that's what's next. That's what we're being called to do as Christians after our baptism. And all because these five simple habits are the key for us to become the people that God has created us to be and to live into these extraordinary lives that God has created for us. So whether you were baptized last week or last year or maybe 80 years ago, these are the habits that are necessary for you to become who God created you to be. Because if you'll practice these habits, everything else just falls into place. Now, you also need to realize I'm not, I'm not trying to give you the prosperity gospel here and saying that if you'll practice these five habits, then God, like a genie, is going to give you everything that you've ever wanted and everything's going to be perfect. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if you'll practice these habits, you will enter into a deep and abiding relationship with God so that no matter what happens to you, no matter what you face, you're never alone. 
You have the creator of the universe walking with you by your side every step of the way, showing you how to manage your life. If you will give yourself to these habits. And I hope you will. Let us pray. Father, last week we got to experience our kids being baptized and and thinking about our own baptism. And today we talk about what we're supposed to do after our baptism. Which is not just this event that we do and then we're done, but instead is an event that's the beginning of the rest of our lives where you're calling us to live these habits. Where you're calling us to, to, to give and worship and to share and the rest, Lord, so that we can become all you've created us to be. So help us now not just to know those habits in our minds, because I think we all get this, but to actually go out and live it. To actually give ourselves completely and totally to you in these ways and then begin to see how you move and work in our lives in ways that we've never imagined. Lord, we ask this all in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. You are invited back next week for another life-changing message from the First Christian Church of Great Bend, Kansas. Please check out our website at www.fccgbk.com. That's fccgbk.com. May you have a blessed week.